Detailed Ledger, Part 1 It is 3 o'clock and time to blow my nose. I do so as loudly and obscenely as I can into a stiff, coffee-stained napkin that I found in the top drawer of my desk. I do so not because I have to, but because Serena has just asked me a question. Harold! I blow again, holding one nostril, then the other, pretending not to hear Serena. Harold! Serena is my boss, the controller. She's been my boss for 322 days. I have worked here 18 years. What? I say, blowing one last time. I toss the napkin into the garbage and walk to the doorway of Serena's office. You coded this invoice wrong! What invoice? When Serena first started, I asked if she was pregnant. Serena's 58. This invoice. This is for Xerox paper. You coded it to Xerox Supplies. Xerox paper, Xerox supplies. Instead of making eye contact, I look slightly to the left of Serena's face, just enough for her to notice. I see an empty paper bag on Serena's desk, remaining evidence of her fourth breakfast. Please fix it. Serena is the sixth controller I have worked for at the Foundation. So far, she has lasted longer than either of the previous two. I go back to my desk and review my list of things to do for the day. 1. Print AP checks. Done. Every Tuesday at 9.07, I print out the vendor checks and leave them for Serena to sign. It usually takes 43 minutes for all the checks to print. This morning I had to do it twice because the paper was misaligned in the printer, so everything printed one line too low. 2. Set up account. It is my job to set up new account codes in the accounting system. This morning I created a code for professional fees accounting so Serena can track these costs separately from professional fees other. 3. Kill Serena. Today this is number 3 on my list. I think I will move it up to number 2 tomorrow. 4. Make deposit. Every Tuesday I compile a deposit and walk it over to the bank. I usually go at 1 o'clock so I can extend my lunch hour. Today, though, I am late because Serena hasn't finished reviewing the deposit slips yet. It is now 3.07 and the bank closes at 4. 5. Buy balloons. Halloween is in six days and I have to finish the treat bags. Every year I make 100 treat bags for the kids in the neighborhood. Each bag has two miniature clock bars, one miniature Three Musketeers, two Tootsie Pops, and two balloons. I have made 57 treat bags so far, but I am out of balloons. I had planned to buy the balloons on the way back from the bank. Serena, are you done with the deposit? I say this without leaving my desk. It is now 3.12, and the bank closes at 4. I haven't gotten to it yet. You may have to wait until tomorrow. People wonder why I don't like Serena. It is because she is fat and slow. I tell her I am going to lunch anyway and will be back in an hour. It is now 3.15. I get my coat and ring for the elevator. That building is probably one of the only buildings in New York City that still uses manual elevators. No one seems to mind much, except that Walter the elevator man is deaf in one ear and can't hear the bell sometimes. 
It is now 3.19 and I ring the bell again. This time I hear the elevator approach. Hello, Walter. What's that? I get into the elevator. I feel worse than she looks today, Walter. By she, I mean Serena, but Walter doesn't get it. I look at the numbers to see what floor we're on. Thanks, Walter. I get off at the lobby and walk outside. It is cool out, but not cold, and the sun is low in the sky. It is now 321. I decide to go to the drugstore first. The drugstore is three blocks away on 101st and Madison. The drugstore windows are decorated with cardboard cutouts for Halloween. I walk in and go directly to the candy aisle. The balloons are with the party favors, past the candy and next to the Halloween items. I get a bag of 100 balloons. I have 43 treat bags left to make, so if I buy 100 balloons, I will have 14 left over. I had 14 left over last year, too. I move on to the Halloween items. Every year I dressed up in costume to hand out the treat bags to the kids in the neighborhood. I have decided this year to dress as the Grim Reaper from Scream. I already have the costume, but I see a large plastic sickle that looks better than the one that came with the costume. I decide to buy the sickle along with the balloons. It is now 3.29. It is too late for lunch, so I decide to get coffee instead. I buy the coffee and wait outside our building until 4.11. At 4.12, I go back inside. At 4.13, I ring for Walter, the elevator man, carrying the sickle and balloons. It is only 47 minutes until 5. I briefly wonder whether Serena has finished the deposit yet. Hello, Walter. Hello, Harold. Walter lets me into the elevator, eyeing the sickle. I wish I could take this sickle and stab Serena. Uh, What's that? I am, of course, joking, but Walter doesn't get it. I look at the numbers on the elevator until we reach my floor. Thanks, Walter. I get off the elevator and walk back towards my desk. I hang up my coat and mumble to Serena that I'm back. Harold, is that you? I stand in the doorway at Serena's office, holding the sickle. Yes, it's me. I left you a new stack of invoices. They're on your chair. Sure enough, there is a new stack of invoices on my chair with a yellow sticky note from Serena that says, Please enter. Serena always leaves the invoices on my chair. I take the stack and put it in the inbox that is clearly marked invoices. It is 421 and too late to start anything new. I decide to make my list of things to do tomorrow. I turn to a clean page in my notepad and write 1027 across the top. I then write the list. 1. Make deposit. I will have to remind Serena about this again before I leave. Maybe she can review it tonight before she orders her first dinner. 2. Kill Serena. 3. Remind Serena about AP checks. Serena has to review and sign all the vendor checks before they go out. Any check larger than 5000 has to be signed by both Serena and the CFO. This week, there are two checks over 5000 I told Serena about the checks already, but I will have to remind her again tomorrow. It always takes Serena forever to get the CFO to sign anything. 4. Enter invoices. This is usually last on my list. 
there are always invoices to enter, so I do this whenever I have downtime. I could start this now, but I decide not to. Instead, I stare at the computer screen and repeatedly type the numbers 2, 4, 6 to make it sound like I'm working. It is now 4.57. I shut down my computer and gather up the sickle, the balloons, and the plastic bag that I use for a briefcase. I ask Serena about the deposit on my way out. She says she will try and get to it tomorrow. I decide to walk down the six flights of stairs instead of waiting for Walter the elevator man. There are 16 stairs in each flight. I bang the sickle on each stair as I go down. The sickle is hollow, so it doesn't make much of a sound. It is still light outside, but slightly colder than it was before. I check to make sure that I still have the balloons. I do. I turn right and walk towards the subway. The foundation is located on 103rd Street and 5th Avenue. The nearest subway is on 103rd and Lexington, right next to the housing project. When I first started at the foundation, I used to walk down 5th Avenue to the 96th Street Station instead. The 96th Street Station is unquestionably safer, but I got tired of walking the extra seven blocks. Now I always use the 103rd Street Station. Serena once asked me whether I thought the neighborhood was safe. I told her that there had been a few crimes recently, but I didn't think anyone would bother attacking her. I hear the subway coming as I run down the stairs of the 103rd Street Station. I jump on the train just as the doors are closing. It is now 5.11. I should be home by 6.13. It is 6.17 when I reach my house in Astoria. There are leaves all over the walkway. I purposely crunch them as I walk to the front door. The porch is dark, but I can see the outline of the -the glow-in-the-dark cobweb that I hung on the door. The cobweb doesn't glow as well as it used to. I may have to buy a new one for next year. The house is dark when I walk in. I have lived by myself since my mother died three years ago. I turn on the hall light and nod at the mummy sitting in the rocking chair by the door. I made the mummy one year by stuffing some of my old clothes with newspaper and wrapping the entire thing with ace bandages and gauze. I stuffed a pillowcase for the head and used heavy-duty staples from work to hold the clothes together. I keep the mummy in the attic when it isn't Halloween. I turn on the kitchen light and take my hungry man dinner out of the freezer. I have the same dinner every night. Classic fried chicken with mashed potatoes, corn, and apple cranberry cobbler. I cook the dinner on medium in a microwave for 15 minutes and 30 seconds. After seven minutes, the room begins to smell like cobbler. While my dinner cooks, I take the tray of treat bags from the counter and place it on the kitchen table. I line up the candy and the balloons next to the tray so I'll be ready to start right after dinner. I have 43 bags left to fill. I should be able to finish tonight. The microwave beeps, signaling that my dinner is done. I am supposed to let the dinner cool for two minutes, but I never do. I peel back the plastic film from the dinner tray and let the rush of steam singe my face. The cobbler is almost cool by the time I get to it. I clean up after dinner and return to the treat bags. I have the bags arranged in ten rows of ten, so it is easy to see where I left off. I dispense the Clark bars first, then the Three Musketeers, then the Tootsie Pops, and finally the balloons. 
I fold each bag over at the top and staple it with the stapler I borrowed from work. I finish the bags at 10.57. I have 14 balloons, two Tootsie Pops, and half a bag of Three Musketeers left over. I will bring the extra candy into work tomorrow. I will save the balloons to use next year. I return the tray to the kitchen counter and turn off the lights in the kitchen and the hall. I then make sure the doors are locked before I go upstairs. Tomorrow is Wednesday, my day to read the papers. I set my alarm clock and go to bed. My alarm clock rings at 6.53, 10 minutes earlier than yesterday. I wake up early every Wednesday so I can buy the papers on my way to work. The newsstand in my neighborhood is four blocks out of the way from my normal walk to the subway. Takes seven minutes to walk to the newsstand, but I always allow a full 10 minutes in case there is a line. This morning there is no line. I buy the New York Post, the Daily News, and a pack of spearmint gum. I put everything into the plastic bag I use for a briefcase and tie the bag shut. One of the bag handles is starting to tear. I will probably need a new bag by Friday. I get on the subway at 7.33. I'm the first stop, so I always get a seat. I purposely take the inside seat closest to the window so I won't have to get up if an old person or pregnant woman gets on a train. I don't like to read on the subway, so I close my eyes and pretend to sleep. It is 8.37 when I reach the 103rd Street Station. I walk up the stairs at 103rd Street Station. There is a long line in front of the coffee cart I always go to on the corner of 103rd and Lexington. Serena gets her coffee from the same cart in the morning. I saw her there once when she first started working at the foundation. She tried to wave to me that morning, but I looked away and pretended not to see her. I don't talk to Serena until mine. I get online and take the New York Post out of my plastic bag. The Post is my favorite paper. This morning the headline is about a building in Midtown whose scaffolding collapsed and killed nine people. There is a picture of a collapsed scaffolding on a front cover. All you can see is a big cloud of dust. It is my turn in line next. I order a buttered roll and a large black coffee like I do every morning. I pay with the exact change and walk across the park towards the foundation. It is 8.42 when I ring for Walter, the elevator man. Good morning, Walter. Morning, Harold. It's hump day. Hump day. That's right. Two more days after this. Walter judges every day by its proximity to Friday. Wednesday is hump day because it falls halfway through the week. By the end of Wednesday, Walter considers himself over the hump. I take the post headline and show it to Walter. I wish I could take Serena for a walk under this scaffolding. What's that? I am once again joking, but Walter doesn't get it. I get off at the sixth floor and walk to my desk. It is 8.45. I take the candy out of my plastic bag and hide it in the top drawer of my desk. If I don't hide it, Serena will eat it all by noon. I sit at my desk and read the post until 9 o'clock. My favorite article is on page 3. Creepy clown craze, no laughing matter. Since the movie It was released, there have been several reports of sinister clowns showing up at local elementary schools. 
Target just announced that it will not sell any more clown masks before Halloween. And speaking of Halloween, I turned to the weather section. It was supposed to rain on Monday. I hope the forecast changes. The kids don't come out as much when it rains. My phone rings at 9.02. I answer it as gruffly as I can. Harold! Um, Harold? It is one of the young interns from the fifth floor. I can tell because she ends each sentence as though it were a question. Um, Harold? This is Stephanie? She waits for me to respond. I slurp my coffee instead. Um, hello? Yes, Stephanie. What is it? Um, I need to come down and get some petty cash. I slurp my coffee again. Serena isn't in yet. Try again at 9.30. I hang up the phone before she can answer. It's true, Serena isn't in yet. Serena used to come in at 9, but lately she's been coming in later. The phone rings again as soon as I hang up. I sigh loudly and answer it less politely than before. Harold! Yes, Harold. This is James from Office Max. I accidentally dropped the receiver onto the floor. I pick it up without bothering to explain. Hello, Harold. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Well, I'm calling in reference to invoice number 5350. A record show that we haven't been paid? James hasn't been paid because Serena hasn't reviewed the check run yet. I decide to let Serena talk to James. Go back at 9.30. I start up my computer and enter my network password. Kill one. I wrote this password to amuse myself when we switched computer systems about five years ago. I keep the password written on a yellow sticky note taped to my computer screen. I find my list of things to do for the day. I will have to start with number four since Serena isn't in yet. I take the stack of invoices from yesterday and begin entering them in the computer. It is 9.21 when Serena comes in. I walk over to Serena's office. She has a large coffee and a blueberry muffin on her desk. I need the deposit, Serena. I know, Harold. Good morning. Serena tries to make eye contact. I look at the muffin instead. Also, there are two checks in a check run that Jean needs to sign. Jean is the CFO, Serena's boss. You told me that yesterday. I'll get to it. And James called again from Office Max. I told him to call back at 9.30. Thank you, Harold. I walk back to my desk and cross number three off my list. I will hopefully get the deposit by lunchtime. I blow my nose loudly and return to the stack of invoices. I suddenly sense that there is someone behind me. Um, excuse me, Harold? It is Stephanie, the girl from the phone this morning. I blow my nose again, even though I don't have to. Harold, is Serena in yet? Serena's on the phone. You'll have to wait. Stephanie steps back timidly and looks towards Serena's office. Uh, do you know how long she'll be? How should I know? Serena's always on the phone. Either that or eating. Stephanie shifts uncomfortably. I feel myself start to laugh. Hold on. I think she's done now. I hear Serena hang up the phone. 
I walk over to Serena's office. I return with Stephanie's cash. Um, thanks, Harold. Do I have to sign something? At the bottom here. Just that you received the cash. Stephanie signs the form and leaves. It is 9.43. I continue entering invoices until noon. It is noon, and Serena is still not done with the deposit. I tell her I am going to lunch anyway and will return in an hour. I gather up my newspapers and my Three Musketeers bars and retreat to the break room. I read the papers quietly until 1. It is 1.02 when I return to my desk. I have nearly finished the invoices. I look for my list of things to do for the day to see what else is left. I can't find the list. The pad I use to write the list is missing from my desk. I check the garbage and underneath my chair to see if I dropped the pad accidentally. I then search through all the piles on my desk to see if I mislaid the pad under something else. It is 1.11 and I still can't find a notepad. I wonder briefly if Serena took it. I look towards her office, but her door is closed. The phone rings at 1.13. I pick it up, exasperated. Harold! Hello, Harold. It's Mr. Thompson. Mr. Thompson is the Human Resources Director. I adjust my tone immediately. Um, hello, Mr. Thompson. What can I do for you? Harold, I would like you to come down to my office. Are you free at 2? Sure. I'll ask Serena. Can I ask why? We'll discuss it at 2. I hang up the phone. Mr. Thompson is the only person at the Foundation who refers to himself as Mr. In all the years that I've worked here, he has never invited me into his office. I walk over to Serena's office to tell her about my meeting. Her door is still closed. Maybe she's at lunch. I walk down to Mr. Thompson's office at 158. Mr. Thompson's office is on the fourth floor at the end of the hall. I reach the office at exactly 2 o'clock and find him standing at the door. Hello, Harold. Come in. I follow him into his office. He closes the door behind us. Have a seat, Harold. I take the seat closest to the door. Mr. Thompson places a thin manila folder on his desk. Harold, let me get right to the point here. You've worked at the Foundation for a long time. What is it, 19 years? 18 years. And are you happy here? Happy? Sh sure, why not? Mr. Thompson studies me carefully. Harold, I received some very serious complaints this morning from your supervisor. Who? Serena? I wonder what now. Serena's always complaining about something. That's right. She says that you threatened her. I feel myself start to laugh at this. What do you mean, threatened her? Mr. Thompson opens the thin manila folder. Inside the folder is my notepad. Harold, did you write this? He holds up the pad to show me. Well, yes, those are my lists. Harold, what do you mean by this? He reads from one of the lists. Number one, print AP checks. Number two, set up account. Number three, kill Serena. He turns to another page. Number one, make deposit. Number two, 
Kill Serena. Serena must have taken the pad while I was at lunch. Mr. Thompson stops reading and waits for me to answer. Well, I, I didn't mean anything, really. That's just something I write. Harold, you've written it every day for the last two months. But I don't really mean it. It's like a joke I have. Mr. Thompson studies me again, considering my answer. Serena also claims that you intentionally avoid making eye contact with her. Of course I do. She's an eyesore. I didn't mean to say this. I immediately wish I hadn't. Harold, do you have a problem with Serena that you'd like to discuss? I think this time before I answer. Serena is rigid and she's slow. And she's two days late on a deposit. He allows me to continue. She takes forever to review things, and I can't get my work done. Mr. Thompson considers me for a moment. Then he shakes his head and sighs. Harold, it's become clear to me that you have a very serious attitude problem. He pauses for a moment. I wait for him to continue. Regardless of what you think of her, Serena is your supervisor, and your behavior is unacceptable. Threats of this nature are very serious. They are not to be made, even in jest. He pauses again. I stare down at the floor. Harold, you've worked here a long time, and because of that, I'm willing to give you another chance. But I'm going to suspend you for three days without pay. Suspend me? I look up, surprised. That's right. Effective immediately. I have never been suspended before, not even from school. Also, I want you to apologize to Serena, and I want you to agree to employee assistance counseling. Employee assistance? That's right. We have a social worker I would like you to talk to. Her name is Miss Phelps. Mr. Thompson hands me a business card with Miss Phelps' phone number. I feel myself starting to laugh again. I stare hard at the floor and make myself stop. And I need your apology to be sincere, Harold. Serena is very upset. I cringe at this. How do I do that? You return to work on Tuesday morning. You can apologize formally at that time. I'll organize a meeting with you, me, and Serena so I can be present. He waits for me to agree. And that's it? That's all, Harold. You are dismissed for the day. I look at my watch. It is 3.14. What? You mean now? I haven't done the deposit yet. We'll manage somehow, Harold. You are officially suspended until Tuesday. I walk back to my desk to retrieve my belongings. Serena's door is still closed. She is probably hiding. I can't believe I have to apologize to her. She should apologize to me for stealing my notepad. I gather up my newspapers and my candy and stuff them into the plastic bag I use for a briefcase. The handle on the bag rips fully now. I tie it back together with a tight knot. Hopefully it will hold until I get home. I get my coat and ring for Walter the elevator man. Surprisingly, he comes right away. Hello, Walter. Hello, Harold. Half a day today? That's right. I've been suspended. Uh, what's that? I don't bother to explain. I watch the numbers on the elevator until we reach the lobby. It is 321 and I am free until Tuesday. 
I don't know what I will do for the rest of the day. At least I have Monday off. Monday is Halloween.